buses have you hand shoveled out? Snow bomb on the south coast. Too much for buses to handle with the failure of a key communication tool. The timing of this could not be worse. Plus, how drivers helped each other get moving. Go, go, go. There you go. And the heroes doing a high wire act to keep bridges safe. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We have a lot to cover tonight. Treacherous roads, school closures, power outages, and canceled or delayed flights. We knew this winter storm was coming, but the impact has been severe and widespread. Our teams in the field have it all. Alyssa Tebow, Grace Key, Janet Brown, and Kylie Stanton. And of course, senior meteorologist Christy Gordon is watching the next 12 to 24 hours very closely. Across Greater Vancouver, there are still treacherous driving conditions with countless spun out vehicles and local road closures all across the region. We'll start with Alyssa Tebow joining us live. And Alyssa, thankfully, a lot of people took the weather warning seriously and ended up staying home. They did, Chris. It was certainly a lot quieter than normal on the roads today, but we did still see a lot of slipping, a lot of sliding. In fact, here on West 4th in Kitsilano, this was one of the trouble spots. It's, it's ploughed now, you can tell. But at one point during today, we counted up to 20 buses that got stuck on one of the inclines. Take a look at what else happened today. The sounds of a snow day in Metro Vancouver. Cars and buses struggling right across the city and on the North Shore. Vehicles almost everywhere needing an extra push. We need some sand or traction or something like that, otherwise he's going to be screwed. There's no way he's going to make it. And some help digging out. The incline on West 4th in Kitsilano proving difficult for some vehicles. Yeah, just super snowy day. And almost impossible for dozens of buses. TransLink forced to detour a number of routes and cancel others. While SkyTrain services have remained fairly steady, with attendants on board to monitor the tracks. SkyTrains are being attended by staff to prevent emergency braking, so there will be lower than normal frequencies and speeds on SkyTrains. The snowfall started early and stayed unrelenting through the day creating some incredibly dangerous driving conditions. The hills are just too icy and too steep and just have too much snow and ice on them right now. You're just not going to make it up them. Road closures are in effect for a number of cities, including New Westminster and Burnaby. Do you have winter tires? Yes. You do? Yes, I do. It's these winter tires. Just too icy? Yes, too icy, yes. Right across the region, residents are out with shovels and snowblowers, some for the first time this winter. And the snowfall creating unending work for crews to keep roads clear and also footpaths. While every municipality assures it's all hands on deck, it's not enough to get everywhere. Stay home if you can, and if you do go out, make sure you know how to drive in the snow. So those ploughs spend a lot of time, Alyssa, on the priority routes. But what are the side streets looking like now? 
Yeah, Chris, we've actually just flipped around to give you a look at U Street behind me. Now, the city of Vancouver doesn't plough side streets, so there is still a lot of snow on the ground here. There's even more in some of those smaller alleys. You can imagine overnight this is going to become quite icy on the road, so we're probably in for some dangerous conditions come tomorrow morning. Chris? You get steep down by the water through Kitsilano there too, no doubt. Okay, thanks very much, Alyssa. Well, the snowplows have been out since early this morning, clearing Metro Vancouver highways. This is a shot of four of the main road contracting vehicles led by a tow plow along Highway 1 near the Brunette overpass in Coquitlam. The formation is known as echelon plowing, where a number of vehicles side by side clear several lanes at once. The contractor is urging the public to give the plows plenty of room to do their jobs safely. Because this is what happens when drivers don't give plows some space. Argo Roads Thompson posted this picture showing what it says was the end result of a truck trying to pass a plow on the right along the Coquihalla. The contractor says many of its vehicles are equipped with a wing plow on the right side that extends roughly half the length of a full-size pickup, and it might be hard to see when the snow is flying. Well, the conditions south of the Fraser River, including Delta, Surrey and Langley, have proven to be very challenging, with many drivers slipping or getting stuck on hills as well. Our Janet Brown is live in Surrey tonight. Janet, as we saw today, the plows were out in full force and the bridges were not as bad as we've seen in past storms. Sophie, we are in the Fraser Heights neighborhood of Surrey right now. And how much snow has fallen in Surrey today? Let me demonstrate with my trusty wooden ruler. Putting it in the snow, it disappears. One foot of snow, of snow in Surrey today. And of course, that made for getting around the city as well as Langley and other locations a nightmare. Getting around today south of the Fraser was a challenge to say the least. Whether it was struggling on the roads in personal vehicles. Ah, my goodness. I've been here for, uh, I think, two hours and a half now. Or trying to catch a bus. I had to work. My bus got delayed. And then the one that came, it got stuck. So I couldn't get to work. I'm happy they canceled. I'm on my way home right now. But wow, like I've been waiting for this bus too long. Some people took matters into their own hands to get around and move the snow. Many of the major arteries were pretty dicey. The slippery roads and volume of snow were too much for this bus and car at 152nd Street and 104 Avenue in the Guilford area of Surrey. 168th Street at 80th Avenue was closed at one point. 176th Street proved difficult for this truck. Langley RCMP were warning commercial truckers to chain up around 200th and 68th Avenue because of a number of spin-outs on the flats. At the bridges, no major problems, although this semi got stuck on the Patello, slowing things down for a while. Crews were keeping close watch on those so-called callers on the cables of the Alex Fraser and Portman bridges. This technician was high up on the pillars of the Alex Fraser, releasing those callers to clear the snow from the cables and prevent any so-called ice bombs from falling on vehicles below. Hopefully the plows will get to the side roads in Surrey tonight to make for easier travel in the morning. 
Now, the good news, guys, is that the snow has finally stopped falling. It lightened up about 3 o'clock this afternoon. Hopefully, it stays away for the rest of the night and the morning commute. The best advice, like you've been hearing all day, is to stay inside and try to stay off the roads tonight. Back to you. All right, thanks for that, Janet Brown, live in Surrey tonight. Not surprisingly, we've seen a lot of disruptions at South Coast airports. We've seen a bunch of flight delays and cancellations. And Grace Key is live at YVR with more on the impact on air travel and all of those passengers. Grace. Yeah, we came across a few passengers today who were waiting it out here at the airport because of various cancellations or delays. And we also met with one group of very unhappy passengers who sat on the tarmac for a few hours. WestJet passengers headed to Cancun say they were stuck on a plane for more than four hours at YVR due to one problem after another. We waited there for an hour before they told us they were having trouble with loading the luggage because of the weather. So they're like, we're going to divert you to the gate. Then we waited, waited. They're like, oh no, the gate is covered with snow again. So we finally are on the tarmac. We're ready to go and the pilot comes on and pretty much says like they're at their cap for hours and they were turning us back around. They've been rescheduled for a 7 a.m. flight and aren't sure exactly who's to blame. I would say it was the airline. I, I, I think we saw Air Canada leaving. We saw other people leaving. So why wasn't WestJet leaving? The snow came down fast and heavy. By noon, 20 centimeters of snow fell on top of runways at YVR. Crews have been busy keeping runways, taxiways and aprons clear. The storm caused a number of flight delays and cancellations. I got my connection couple hours ago and then uh, yeah found out kind of over the duration that uh, this was cancelled and everything and they got me rebooked now for this afternoon. So we are seeing some impacts to flight schedules just as we look at the roads and need to leave extra time and extra space in between the car in front of us it's the same for aircraft in terms of making sure we're leaving adequate space between arriving and departing flights and managing the capacity of the airport to the weather. For that reason 80 percent of scheduled flights are operating. In response to that airlines proactively cancelled flights more domestic than international. Passengers would have been notified on Tuesday. Many airlines, including WestJet and Air Canada, have flexible rebooking policies in place. Now we just got an update from YVR. They're saying 25 centimeters fell on YVR today and more than 75% of scheduled flights were able to arrive and depart safely. Now in terms of that WestJet flight to Cancun, now YVR is saying that 10 other flights successfully departed between 10.30 and 11.30 a.m. Now we did reach out to WestJet as well. We did not hear from them in time. Sophie? All right, thanks for that, Grace. And the snow causing problems for ferries as well. Sailings on the Queen of Alberni were cancelled today because of a crew shortage. The 8.15 and 10.45 sailings tonight between Tawasson and Duke Point have been called off as a result. Senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us with more on this snow day and what we should plan for over the next 12 to 24 hours because there is more, Christy. 
There is more. That's right. People should be aware. Uh, Sophie, in terms of what we saw today, it really was that relentless Arctic air across the south coast, keeping temperatures cold enough. And then you add that Pacific moisture on top of it. And what do you get? Substantial snowfall totals. This was the 10th snowiest day on record, the snowiest since December 24th, 2008. And in terms of the month of January alone, this was the second snowiest day on record. Now, the snow is certainly easing off across Metro Vancouver and has across Vancouver Island in fact, earlier today. Now what we're concerned about is how cold it will get tonight. So down to minus four, we're expecting everything to freeze tonight. Watch for icy conditions tomorrow morning. But my biggest concern is the commute uh, from work tomorrow. So if you can avoid going to work tomorrow again tomorrow, recommend doing that because this is what it could look like during the afternoon commute. Not only are we expecting snowfall, not as much as what we saw today, but we also have a risk of freezing rain. In fact, Environment Canada just issued a winter storm warning for the inland sections of Vancouver Island, and I think you may see more warnings be issued in the next little while. So back to you. It doesn't end, or at least not yet. Thank you, Christy. No. Some shocking figures today from the B.C. Coroner's Service on the toll this recent cold snap may have had on B.C.'s vulnerable population. Between January 1st and 16th, a total of 36 people died outdoors. The greatest number in a single day was on January 12th, last Friday, when five people died. The temperature that day in Metro Vancouver dipped to minus 13, colder with the wind chill, Outdoor deaths include those that occur in public spaces, parks and campgrounds and on sidewalks. Most of the deaths occurred in the interior health region. The majority of those who died were in their 30s. Our snow coverage continues on the news hour. I'm tired and need a margarita. Good Samaritans in the Fraser Valley digging out stranded vehicles and how the storm slammed Vancouver Island too. Next on the news hour. Tragedy at a UBC parkade, the mystery of how a car ended up sailing off the second story. Plus, you got a lot of product down, so it's starting to work. A snowplow ride along, what these road warriors do to keep traffic flowing. Unfortunately, snowplowing was an exercise in futility in the central Fraser Valley today with nearly 40 centimeters of snow blown around by gusting winds. As Catherine Urquhart reports, conditions along Highway 1 were so hazardous, several exit ramps were closed and drivers were being told to stay away. For those who dared to drive in the Fraser Valley, it was ugly. This was the scene in Abbotsford at Watcom Road, where countless vehicles were stuck. Nothing but chaos. It's, uh, everybody's getting stuck. Helping people out as best as I can, anyways, without a vehicle. A few Good Samaritans helped, digging out and pushing. Awesome. Here you go. I'm tired and need a margarita. <laughs> what you been doing? Uh, helping vehicles unstuck. How many so far? I lost count about 10. Many motorists needed some serious assistance, and tow trucks were going non stop. Poor conditions started overnight. A travel warning was issued for Highway 1 from 264th all the way to Hope, a nearly 100-kilometer stretch of highway. More than a few people gave up on going to the office. Made the attempt to go in, turned around, and uh, just get to spend the day with the, uh, with the kids, building an igloo, snowman, whatever we can. In Chilliwack, snow removal started early. 
and continued throughout the day. Snow plows were needed, along with plenty of shovels. Is this what you expected when you woke up this morning? Not really. Not this much, not at all. It was a winter blast we knew was coming, but much worse than anticipated by many in the Fraser Valley. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. On Vancouver Island, the snowflakes started flying last night, leading to a rare snow day across the island. There were a lot of people unable to make it to work or school and many traffic disruptions there as well. Kylie Stanton is live with more on the conditions and the fallout. Kylie. Well, Chris, the snow didn't really start coming down until the earlier hours this morning, but that left a lot of people in limbo, deciding whether or not to send their kids into the schools that were still open, try and head into work, or just stay home and enjoy it. The plows and shovels are out. Anyone who woke up thinking Vancouver Island missed the brunt of this storm was sorely mistaken. You just work around it. I'm used to Edmonton not here, so this is easy. With the majority of school districts calling it a snow day. It's fun. Kids were quick to make the most of it. Like there was heaps and hollers and we were out here by 8, 8 a.m., I think. <laughs> it feels like it's really kind of lifted my spirits. But students in Victoria and Souk weren't so lucky. Instead, braving the elements, plowing on with their classes. Our families really rely on public education uh, to provide a great education and inspire our kids. But we also need to care for them and supervise. And in today's economy, with often our working families have two working parents, it's incredibly important that we always consider that, uh, that important service that we provide. They weren't the only ones having to work. This is milk, it'll go bad, so it has to get there. It doesn't stop. Commercial vehicles on the Malahat chaining up as MCON Services South Island cleared the route around the clock, asking drivers for patience. Be prepared. Um, I would say that if you just give the plow trucks lots of room, let them do their job, they'll let you by when they can, and please don't pass them on the right. BC Transit also hoping for some grace. The timing of this could not be worse. Its customers alert platform went down early Wednesday amid route cancellations and countless detours. Which means that uh, we are unable to send email notifications to customers that have subscribed for them for route-specific notifications. That's across the province. But across the island, a bit of a different story, with Tofino enjoying nothing but open beaches and clear skies. And while the snow has finally let up elsewhere, temperatures continue to hover around the freezing mark, which means it's not over yet. Crews will continue to work through the clock uh, to make sure that the roads are safe right through the night uh, and into tomorrow. Now some good news. Just before 6 o'clock, BC Transit sent out a press release saying its website is now back online. Customers can access up-to-date information about route cancellations and detours, which may come in handy with the flakes still falling and temperatures dropping. Chris, so You got it. Thanks very much, Kylie. Garbage and recycling pickup was cancelled in many areas today. Vancouver, Surrey, Burnaby, Coquitlam, Port Moody, Maple Ridge, New Westminster, Langley City, White Rock, North Vancouver City and District, West Vancouver and Nanaimo. Most will be moved one day to Thursday, but you should check with your city's website because that could be iffy too.
And Canada Post moved to red alert today and cancelled service in Metro Vancouver and Vancouver Island. There was a yellow alert issued for southern BC, which indicates service delays. Take a quick break and just ahead, BC's major power play. It's going to take the private sector, it's going to take Indigenous nations and communities all working together. The multi-billion dollar injection to boost electricity production and meet growing demand. Plus, how a man with more than 20 impaired driving convictions could end up changing provincial insurance policy. Premier David Eby surprised nearly everyone with a major announcement that the province will be spending billions to boost BC's electricity production. But as Richard Zussman reports, there are many questions about whether even that will be enough to meet skyrocketing demand. It's a jolt to BC's electricity system. This is a world that is very hungry for clean power. A $36 billion BC Hydro Capital Plan, 12 billion new dollars over the next 10 years, including money to twin hydro transmission lines, upgrade capacitor stations and upgrade dams, creating between 10,500 and 12,500 jobs each year. It's an assurance to you that you will have access to clean, stable, affordable electricity to decarbonize your operations and to build jobs in British Columbia. A move to electrical vehicles, a growing population and drought conditions means BC's current electrical production won't meet future demand. While this funding improves infrastructure, it leaves questions. And this clearly shows a commitment to, uh, to their goal of enhancing the infrastructure, but there's certainly no money in here for generating any new um, electricity. Doesn't sound sexy, but it's extremely important. However, it doesn't answer the question about where the extra electricity that's going to be generated is going to come from in the future. Some of that new power will come in the form of future investment from independent power producers. But the opposition quick to point out the government cancelled a similar plan that was under the B.C. Liberals only to come back to it. It's very hard to bring them back when you chase them away. And it's doubly hard when you've got a reputation as a government of being very, very slow. That reputation of being slow is being addressed, along with a plan to continue to work with First Nations and private partners, something the industry says is desperately needed. So we still take care of the important ecosystem components that we need to protect here in British Columbia, but not get bogged down with unnecessary bureaucracy and, and overlap and inefficiencies in the system. But time's running out, with BC's own forecast showing the demand for power will go up at least 15% over the next six years. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. One man has been charged following multiple hit-and-run crashes that left two people hurt in Vancouver yesterday morning. The string of crashes began just before 7 a.m. after a 44-year-old man allegedly stole a taxi that had briefly been left running near Main and Terminal. Vancouver police say the thief then drove towards Kingsway and East Broadway where he struck a Tesla, then continued on to Fraser Street at East 37th where he struck a pedestrian. BPD officers found the stolen taxi at Main Street and Marine Drive where they arrested the driver. A 22-year-old pedestrian and a VPD officer were taken to hospital with minor injuries. Charles Disher is facing several charges. He'll remain in custody until he appears in court. Coming up, driving on thin ice. I was, to put it bluntly, mortified. 
A driver with more than 20 impaired convictions exposes an insurance loophole the public safety minister wants to close. And the latest on that mysterious crash at a UBC parkade. A bit of a shock for people on campus today. A car smashed through the second floor retaining wall at a UBC parkade crashing to the ground. It happened just before 10 this morning in the 6,000 block of Thunderbird Boulevard near Westbrook Mall. Heavy rescue and technical rescue crews had to secure the vehicle because it was suspended nose down on the ground below. They were finally able to remove the driver from the vehicle. We have a, a significant concrete um, barrier that's still precariously hanging off the second story above the scene which landed onto a, a battery energized uh, storage box um, close to a high voltage area as well. And the, the, the vehicle is um, still in a precarious spot as well. So multiple safety concerns for, for crews and for the, the vehicle and the individual. The BC Emergency Health Services says no one was transported to hospital. Fire crews say it's too early to speculate on the cause of the crash. The case of a man with more than 20 impaired driving convictions who was still able to purchase insurance for his vehicle has raised many red flags. Tonight, the public safety minister is vowing to close the ICBC loophole that allowed it. Kristen Robinson reports. Roy Hyde was a prohibited driver with no license before he earned the dubious distinction of holding what's believed to be the worst impaired driving rap sheet in Canadian history. Yet ahead of the August 2022 crash that secured his 21st impaired driving conviction, Abbotsford police say he was able to insure his motorcycle with ICBC as the registered owner. I was, to put it bluntly, mortified. Uh, I just don't think that's right at all. You should not be able to get insurance for a car that you're not able to drive. Do you have a driver's license on you and a vehicle registration? ICBC's initial explanation, insuring a vehicle is the responsibility of the registered owner of the vehicle rather than the driver, and therefore a valid driver's license isn't required to obtain insurance. While police say unlicensed drivers often insure vehicles in their name for family members to use. The fact that it is happening in the case of someone with uh, multiple driving convictions for impaired driving, that's just not acceptable. Uh, it's wrong and it's got to change and it will change. BC's Solicitor General says he's tasked ICBC with looking at the scope of the problem and whether a legislative or regulatory change is required to close the apparent loophole. I do not believe anyone with multiple drinking and driving convictions uh, should be able to get insurance if they don't have a license. There's no timeline on when the changes will be implemented, but Mike Farnworth says the contradictory policy has potentially been in place for years. The criminal resume of the driver whose case brought it to light includes 14 convictions for driving while disqualified. Hyde is currently serving a prison sentence of just under five years. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Still ahead, road warriors. This is the type of thing that people actually send their tax dollars to City Hall for. A ride along with snowplow crews and their scramble to keep up with the snow while dodging other drivers. And what the Canucks yep. Swedish superstar Elias Peterson says about the snowstorm.
Comox Valley Search and Rescue were called in to rescue a hunter who got hurt along a logging road today. He wasn't the only one that got into trouble. The 44-year-old was near Comox Lake with his teenage son and some friends when he slipped on some ice and broke his leg. Someone else in the same group fell and hit their head. The SAR vehicle got stuck en route, forcing the team to use snowmobiles to reach those who were injured. SAR says the weather caused a few issues during this medical rescue. Not too much snow, but it sounds like the, the road is a sheet of ice. Um, so we've got a ground team going in with sleds. Uh, the truck's got chains on, but it sounds like they're even having a hard time. Straightforward, no real complications. It's just uh, the environment. Just uh, bad luck with the snow and the cold temperatures. A helicopter was eventually brought in to extract the injured people. They were then taken to hospital via ambulance. Well, the effectiveness of snow clearing in Metro Vancouver, for the most part, seems to depend on where you live. In Port Coquitlam, Global News was invited for a ride-along with the snow plows. Aaron MacArthur reports on the all-hands-on-deck battle to stay ahead of the snow. Uh, go up and then come back through the underpass, uh, quite bad there. It takes dozens of people working around the clock to keep Port Coquitlam streets clear in a snowstorm. The plows hit the priority one roads Tuesday night as soon as the snow started falling. We're maintaining those routes. And then as soon as the snow stops falling, we can spread out and sort of attack all the other streets as we get to them. By mid-morning, as the snow started to ease off, crews began to work on the priority two streets. Real slow down here. Bus drivers thankful the plows came when they did. He's calling in to say he's stuck right now. Navigating the steep hills, a challenge all morning. We'll do a U-turn down at Shaughnessy at the bottom and come back up. Give that guy a lane to get into so he can get out of here. Making the job harder? Residents parking their cars on the sides of the road. Plows forced to go around. Secondary suites and more residents means more vehicles. The street cleaning team trying to get people to park off the street when the snow flies. The best case scenario, it's not always possible, is if we cannot be parked along a curb in a, in a snow event. Uh, that way we can plow curb to curb. Port Coquitlam, like most municipalities, put all hands on deck during this snowstorm. There were 30 people focused just on sidewalks. Bobcats, tiny snow plows, shovels, whatever could move snow was put into use. Planning and execution Mayor Brad West says taxpayers expect the city to accomplish. This is a core municipal responsibility, so we've put a real focus on this here in Port Coquitlam. It doesn't always go according to plan. In this case, the forecast and timing worked out to get the streets cleared quickly. With snow on the ground, crews will change focus to meltwater, avoiding the next crisis. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Won't take long for that next crisis to show up either. No, Christy Gordon, uh, let's bring her back in because we've got more weather on the way. It's late day tomorrow that I'm concerned about. I just want to quickly show you some of these substantial numbers with 39 centimeters reported in Chilliwack. A lot of people asking me, why was it so much? Well, we just didn't see the warm-up that we had the potential of. It continued to be very cold across the region. And when you don't get that moisture content in the snowpack, it just accumulates and becomes very high. Fraser Canyon, the uh, most in through the interior regions with 29 centimeters of snow. Now, a winter storm warning has just been issued for inland Vancouver Island. Concern is tomorrow, 
tomorrow, we're expecting more snow, gusty winds there, and the potential for a prolonged period of freezing rain. So that's Port Alberni into the evening and overnight hours. And a snowfall warning now in place for all of the east coast of Vancouver Island with 10 to 20 centimeters possible. So even though the commute to work tomorrow morning will be icy but dry, it's tomorrow afternoon that could be dicey as this snowfall shifts in. Not as much expected across Vancouver, uh, Metro Vancouver region, but we well know it doesn't take much for it to cause problems. And we do have a risk of freezing rain as well. But certainly these areas across Vancouver Island expecting a little bit more, or a lot more, really. So again, the timeline is that it will push in sort of at earliest late morning, but the afternoon hours. So the PM commute is going to be impacted. Now it does warm up in the evening, but that's when we have that risk of freezing rain. Although most areas will see a transition to rain and a lot of that snow will wash away into sort of Friday morning, but that risk of freezing rain is there. So I'm really urging everyone to avoid the commute home. If you can avoid going to work tomorrow at all, that would be a good idea. Um, I know not everyone can do that, but it certainly would be helpful. Here's a look at the long range forecast. Big warm up expected, as you can see on Friday with a high of six degrees. And yes, we really are hoping for a lot of that snow to wash away. All right, tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from Furry Creek. Rose sharing this photo with us with the, I like it with the, the wave coming in, the snowfall on the ground. This was a fun one for myself. I know not very fun for a lot of people that are out there though. It's fun if you're inside and mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. don't have to shovel it. True. They got a they got a golf course right there. That's gonna be a while before they're playing that. Yeah. No doubt about it. I think yeah. so. <laughs> All right, uh, Squire. You know, people mock us sometimes out here in Metro Vancouver for how we handle the snow. Um, yeah. Deservedly so. But we're not used to it. Yeah. Well, we say that except we're not used to. We do go through it every year. <laughs> but our snow is different. I think. Oh yes, our snow Canada is different. Snow. But today, somebody who knows snow very well from growing up in Sweden. Uh, they asked Elias Pedersen what he thought of the snow and our reaction to it. Yeah, I mean, this is nothing compared to Sweden. Uh, I say it's, there's better snow plows and drivers in Sweden. <laughs> drivers. Yeah, but they're used to it, that's why. Yeah. I would not disagree with him. <laughs> he's, I've never he's been to Sweden. I'm going to guess he's right. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure well, he as is. you can see now, the Canucks, of course, are back from the road trip. The road trip where they won five of seven games. But the captain says that road trip could have been even better. We really could have won 7-0 on that trip and um, kind of expect to be able to do that. Well, that would be nice. One thing the Canucks want to fix, and they were working on it today at practice, is the power play. We'll talk about that after the break. Sounds good, Squire. Also tonight, with nearly every school district calling it a snow day, how kids were making the most of it. Coming up later. A lot of people jumping on the old Canucks bandwagon, and rightfully so. They're doing well. Well, they should have got on it in November. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but maybe they were cautious. I can see why you would be cautious if you were a fan of this team over the years. So does this make sense? Going into tonight's action, the Canucks have the 4th, 6th, 11th, and 17th highest scorers in the NHL. 
They lead the league in goals scored per game, but since December 1st, the Canucks are 29th in power play percentage. That they can sense. I know. They can score 5 on 5, no problem. They are ragdolling teams at even strength, but give Vancouver the man advantage and suddenly they can't score as often. And the weirdest thing is, the first two months of the season, the Canucks could score in a power play. They were the fourth best power play in the league. So where does the power of the Vancouver Canucks offense go when the power play begins? It's an unsolved mystery that's lingered around this team for a month and a half. Yeah, I mean, the power play has been a little bit of a um, you know, source of frustration the last little while just because we expect so much from ourselves. But um, we know that we'll continue to work at it, and I think we're kind of um, figuring it out here. When things aren't going well, uh, we just got to try to simplify. Uh, just cliche, shoot the puck more and get bodies to net. Keep it simple, and then we'll find our guru again. Cross, Pedersen. This one in front. And that On their seven-game road trip, the Canucks didn't have a lot of power play chances, only 14. But they only scored two goals with a man advantage. Once again, it was the five-on-five play that turned on the red light for Vancouver. Because at even strength, the Canucks attack and forecheck in ways they don't do on the power play. Yeah, I, I think we just got a mental block of the attack style. We're, 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 we think plays instead of attacking. The best power plays attack. I thought we attacked better the first six weeks. You know, I think guys are getting, I just want the guys to get frustrated because uh, when power plays don't work, sometimes it affects your five on five plays. Thank God it hasn't affected our five on five. That is true. The road trip had an abundance of even strength goals, especially from the lotto line, who are taking it upon themselves to be the ones who put some happiness back in the power play. It's something that, you know, we, we really uh, hold ourselves accountable for the power play and I think it's a lot about you know just outworking the penalty kill and, and getting those puck retrievals and, and getting pucks to the net. I don't think we're shooting enough pucks so I think we got to start there. And hopefully for the Vancouver Canucks if and when they fix their power play issues they won't suddenly develop any issues five on five because that has been a big key to their success. As far as the five on five I mean you're going to need that um, and to be able to Score at that rate, 5-on-5, five five is impressive. And then um, hopefully later down the road we can kind of enjoy the power play and hopefully that can pull us through some wins too. Okay, despite the powerless play, the Canucks, as we know, did go 5-1-1 one, and one on that road trip. It was impressive, but Quinn Hughes thinks they may have actually underachieved a bit. I think the thing that with me is I felt like we, we probably should have won every game. We should have won 7 and Um and I think we should have probably won the last game and made some mistakes and still could have won it in a shootout. And then in St. Louis, I mean, it was 2-1 game. And uh, usually we come out of those games 1-1 and going into the third and we find a way. So I think that's the part where I'm like, wow, we, we really could have won 7-0 on that trip and um, kind of expect to be able to do that. I like that kind of attitude. The BC Lions have released wide receiver Dominique Rimes. It looks like... Rhymes didn't want to restructure his deal, so he'll try free agency instead. That means that right now the newly re-signed Keon Hatcher and Alexander Hollins, who got a two-year deal today, Hatcher got a three-year deal on Monday, they'll be number one and number 1A when it comes to receivers this season as kind of what they were last year because Rhymes was hurt for a while with a knee injury. And that injury did show the Lions they could live without him because Hatcher and Hollins were so good. 
But when he was healthy, Rhymes was a big play receiver, the man who would get you into the house. Scored 18 touchdowns in three years with the Lions, and he will be a sought-after commodity in free agent for the rest of the CFL. And the Raptors made a big trade today. Sent all-star forward Pascal Siakam to Indiana for a big haul of draft picks. Two of those three first-rounders are this year. Then they'll get one in 2026. They also get small forward Bruce Brown, who's a decent player. Um, Jordan Nawara, point guard. Kira Lewis, who hasn't really lived up to expectations yet. Siakam was a Raptor for eight years. He was extremely good, championship guy. But despite all the assets that the Raptors got here, some think that might be more quantity than quality for Toronto. One more thing. We thought that maybe the Cowboys would make a coaching change after that loss to Green Bay. Maybe they would bring in Bill Belichick. No, they are going to keep Mike McCarthy for next season. Yes, not everybody down there is happy about it either from what I've seen on Well, I'm not X surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Bill will end up somewhere else. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks, Squire. All right, well, today's storm wasn't all about stuck vehicles and traffic mayhem. If you didn't have to drive in it or work in it, it was a winter wonderland. We'll show you how some people made the most of it next. When temperature records were being smashed across the province. The deep freeze isn't letting up yet. We had 21 records broken across the province today. The global news team was prepared. Exposed skin freezing in minutes. And braved the bone-chilling cold. It's nasty out here. The fountain frozen. To keep British Columbians informed. We got even colder temperatures through the day today. Tune back in late weekend into Monday. We are BC's News. Jordan Armstrong is keeping an eye on things from the newsroom and has a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan? Chris, we are watching the roads tonight as the temperature drops. Troy Charles will be out in the elements for us. Also, how snow days are evolving, not for the kids, but for the parents. It seems many office workers who traditionally would have been given the day off along with their kids are now expected to keep working from home. It's certainly the right of employers to do that. No one's saying it's wrong, but it does add to the childcare challenges at a time when there are a lot of them already. We'll be back at 11. Chris? Sounds good. Thanks very much, Jordan. All right. Well, uh, we've had quite a day. Quite a day, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cold, snow, near record levels, but not quite for January. And uh, Christy, we have a new warning for East Vancouver Island. <laughs> Yeah, we can't let down our guard just yet. So we have a winter storm warning in place for the inland sections of Vancouver Island, Port Alberni particularly. Uh, 10 to 15 centimeters is possible, gusty winds. But the biggest concern is a prolonged period of freezing rain for inland sections of Vancouver Island evening and overnight hours. As well, east coast of Vancouver Island could see another 10 to 20 centimeters uh, through the latter part of the day tomorrow. Metro Vancouver not out of the woods just yet either. Now, we're not going to see as much snow as what we saw today, but we well know it doesn't take much to cause problems on the road. So during the afternoon commute, we could see anywhere from one to five centimeters and we have a risk of freezing rain. So if you can avoid the roads, I really recommend doing that again tomorrow. One more thing to tack on to the challenges, <laughs> freezing rain. Thanks very much, Christy. Mm -hmm. Well, this winter storm wasn't all white knuckle driving and traffic headaches. Many who heeded the warnings to stay close to home took the opportunity to have a little fun. That's right. Bundling up and enjoying a long-awaited snow day was good for everyone of all ages. So we leave you tonight with some of the lighter moments. Have a great evening and thanks for watching. Good night, all.
next question. It's a big hill, and a lot of people make jumps and stuff. It's really fun if you live in the U.S. <laughs> Did you make that? Yeah, two of us, yeah. yeah. Wow. It's so nice to have Vancouver covered in snow. I know there are all those problems that, that it causes, but, but it's beautiful. It's just great. <laughs> Big and fun.